Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I've been sitting down thinking about this recently. I've been thinking about my own life and, and how I've gotten to where I have professionally speaking. And some of the things that have occurred to me throughout is I've had some jobs that if the people around me were different, I would have really liked and probably still be doing them. But they just had like the worst bosses like ever. And I inevitably left that situation to, to go somewhere else and inevitably down the road work for myself. So I am my own boss. Um, but I wanted to, to look at that as I was reflecting upon the jobs that I've had and look at it from looking at you. I mean, you've been a priest for a very long time. Um, we just discussed earlier in the year how you guys are changing your abbot who's in charge of you guys physically, but ultimately you're reporting to God and you're probably not going to get a better boss than God. So I wanted to kind of give a chance to spotlight, you know, what it is that you like about being a priest and, and why you continue to do it. Because we've all signed up for jobs before that we thought were going to be good on paper and thought they were going to be a good fit for our lives and then after a while, it's just, ah, oh, I was wrong, I'm out. Like, it's time to go do something else, go work at the store across the street type thing. And, you know, obviously, you know, you have had a commitment to this, and you're still a priest after all of these years. And I just wanted to sit down because, in my mind, this is a conversation you don't hear very much about why does a priest, you know, as a profession, have such a high retention? You know, you don't see that in other positions, regardless of how glamorous or, or desirable they are, but you see it with the priesthood. And I wanted to give you a, a chance to kind of tell the world why and, and, and why it's something that, you know, should be considered. Well, there are a number of layers to the observations that you make, Joe. Uh, and it one thing it makes me think of is a study that was done several years ago, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti talks about this. So I, I heard it from him, but apparently among all professions, priesthood has the highest satisfaction uh, score. So uh, in interviewing people in various professions, uh, more priests are happy, satisfied, fulfilled than, uh, than any other profession. So there's, uh, there's something to what you're saying. Part of that is because priesthood is not actually, uh, well, it is truly a profession in the true sense of the word. We profess uh, vows or promises. And in that way, priesthood is, is really, a, it's a state of life and more accurate to compare to marriage than to uh, owning a business. So that's the essence of priesthood. Priesthood is actually a change of character when we are ordained, our soul is changed by the process of ordination. So it's it's even deeper than marriage in that sense. In that sense, it's even more like baptism. And so priesthood is something much, much deeper. It's, a, it's an identity and not just a profession, not just a job, um, not even just a, a state in life in, in that way. And so those things make a difference. Now, Basically, the people who remain priests and have happiness are the priests who recognize and embrace the things that I just said, that realize priesthood is not just another job, and priesthood really is an identity. It defines who I am, and it's really an extension of my baptism as a, a follower of Christ. And so it's, the, it's living out in my life, uh, 
living out the most important value, which is the, the service of God. And that's, that's the one thing that's really worth dying for. And all of that provides a, a lot of positive motivation about the priesthood. Now, there are plenty of priests who uh, get burnt out for different reasons. It's, uh, there are a lot of hard things that can happen. You mentioned uh, working for the abbot, but working for God. I mean, really, I work for the abbot. In terms of jobs, professions, you know, as, as, in as much as you're going to make that analogy, I work for the abbot, just like a diocesan priest works for the bishop. That is to say, in, in terms of daily life and, and dictating things that he can do, moving, uh, in, inflicting power on him, uh, you know, power problems happen in the church like they happen anywhere else, unfortunately. And that's become more and more evident, especially in these days with the sex abuse scandals and a lot of those things bringing to light the, uh, the problems that we have had with uh, various people in power, abusing power, clericalism, things like that. And we can suffer from that. And that can be a cause of disillusionment. We get into the church with a lot of positive motivations, and we end up running into a lot of difficulties. The, the humanity of the church, because the church is human and divine, and the humanity of the church uh, includes only sinners. <laughs> all, all the humans in the church are sinners. And so that comes through at different times and can be challenging. And a priest who doesn't have his priesthood rooted in something supernatural, in a sense of vocation that is really coming from God and that he sees what you said, that ultimately he is serving God, can easily become discouraged and disillusioned and find his way uh, out of the priesthood. I mean, there's a, there's a process for being dispensed from vows, but there are people who just leave and, you know, throw up the middle finger and walk away. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a reality to all of that. But for those of us who uh, find uh, meaning in life, who are, who are in it, for the, the right reasons, who recognize who we are and what we do as priests, uh, it brings us into beautiful relationships. It gives us, it empowers us to serve people in a unique way, providing the sacraments. Uh, it gives us a kind of default trust with people. Because I'm a priest, people trust me, which is why abuse of that trust is so grievous, even more so than in other professions. And uh, people share their hearts with me, and that's so beautiful. In terms of the actual things I do as a priest, my life is really much different than your average parish priest. If you looked at the job description, again, if you reduce priesthood to a profession, there are a lot of professions within priesthood. And that's, a, that's also a, a certain benefit. I mean, there are people who are going to be drawn by desire and by providence in different directions. And um, we just ha had a new bishop ordained in the Diocese of Greensburg. He was my pastor when I was a deacon, and uh, I saw him be a pastor, and then I saw him, he was asked to be the vicar general, so he was kind of the number two man in the diocese for about eight years, and then now he's the bishop. He didn't get into priesthood thinking that he would do, he figured he would be a parish priest. He didn't have designs on any of that. And that's the way we can also end up moving around in priesthood a bit. And so there, there's a lot of stuff to do. Again, the essential part of it and the essential part of our identity is the celebration of the sacraments. Priesthood and the mass in particular, but all of the sacraments, uh, but 
but those things are inseparable. A priesthood, a priest who loses sight of the sacraments loses his priesthood. Uh, just, uh, and likewise, a priest who loses his relationship with God in prayer loses his priesthood. Any priest who's left the priesthood, you can ask him, when did you stop praying? Because it happens one step after, after the next. We, we stop making a holy hour. We stop praying our rosary. We stop praying the breviary. We stop offering the mass. And we stop acting as a priest. And the, uh, the, the end is near. So uh, if we keep track of those things which are so essential... Then, then we find a tremendous amount of happiness. It's really the most fulfilling thing because it does combine like the, the joys and the challenges of family life with the joys and the challenges of work life. Those things are combined. And when they combine harmoniously, uh, now you, you do a bit of work at home, Joe. So I think uh, maybe you have a sense of this uh, more than some people, but being able to spend that kind of time doing what you love to do with the people that you love the most, what could be more fulfilling than that? And certainly that's been my experience, the opportunity to uh, go deeper in my prayer life, share the, the overflow of that in a whole variety of ways through podcasts, uh, through videos, through books, through lots of retreats, through lots of spiritual direction, through teaching classes. And then even more recently, I'm doing a a parish revitalization initiative and helping parishes with a strategic planning and execution process. And these are just great joys for me. I love to learn. I love to be with people. I love to share the things that God has entrusted to me. And I get the chance to do that every day as a priest. That's really beautiful. Uh, and that builds on you know, that essential thing of, again, celebrating the Mass, having that deep relationship with God, that he invites me to in a, in a special way as a priest. And as you were going through um, kind of some of the, the, the ways that, that people become out of the priesthood, I, I think it is important to also note that that's, a, that's certainly the minority. You know, when we look at, at other professions where people are expect to be out of them within two years, where that's the standard, you know, mm, point. yours is, is the majority of people do are, actively good priests and are there all the way throughout their lives um so i, I wanted to just highlight that real quick and, and the other part is is that you're talking about how people can stop praying stop attending the sacraments and just kind of disavow themselves well well obviously you said it through the context of being a priest i think that's truly just the context of of, of dissipating from god and the faith in general you know we, we can just see that how people can step away from prayer being the starting point and then doing into, I don't need to do this part of the teachings. I don't need to do this part. And then before you know it, whether that was your intentional starting point or not, you've been going down this road that has taken yourself out of, out of the faith and putting yourself in a situation where you're, you're becoming a lukewarm soul. And, and you know, what we're obviously trying to avoid with, with this podcast and you've brought this up many, many different times in different ways in that, you know, prayer is kind of the bedrock or the revitalization to it. You know, if you, if you think about someone who's working out, you don't really ever see people working out and not staying hydrated. Like it's essentially required. Now, granted, that's not making them run faster 
or jump farther or hit harder, but they need it. Um, and, and it's certainly essential with that. And I, I look at prayer in the same analogy as to ever anything else we're doing in life. You know, you, you don't necessarily need to be able to do all of this stuff, but when you have prayer in it, you do it much better and much more efficiently. You know, in theory, you could run a marathon without drinking water, but it's probably a whole lot easier having some water and some Gatorade in you throughout that process. And, you know, life is kind of like that. It's just easier. And to a lot of regards, life is hard enough by itself. Why not do things to make life easier? And it is proven that prayer and meditation help. And things like praying the rosary are an example of that. And I think that that's just something that I wanted to, again, highlight because we've been talking about, you know, things to do with penance um, as we're approaching Lent. And penance isn't to be a negative thing. It's to help us get better. It's not a punishment. It's it, it's an improvement process. You know, going and doing 10 push-ups might be a punishment when you're eight years old that your dad makes you do. But in reality, it's bettering yourself. And your example right there of doing the rosary, you know, a couple of times is something that's very easy. I mean, they make apps that you can just download the app and and pray it and not be the lead, you know, participant in praying it. And it, it's something that, you know, we all can do. And sometimes we need structure. So sometimes we just need to put it flat out on our calendar. I'm doing this at 2.30 every day or, or on my drive home or whatever it is, um, you know, and just to be something that, that we can do. And I think that that's... A um, an element that for those that would try it to to do or to listen to a rosary to participate in a rosary each day during Lent, you'll get tremendous benefits out of it in ways that you wouldn't know how to describe. You know, it um, it's just a a fact. Beautiful. You've been listening to me long enough, Joe, that you're uh, repeating the things that I say. You've obviously integrated <laughs> them and put them into practice, so that makes me feel good. Hopefully uh, some of our listeners are in the in the same place of starting to hear the, you know, there is a certain repetition in themes uh, because there are just some basics like that, you know, I, and I, I love your analogies too. I mean, you know, prayer is like water or, or prayer is like breathing. I mean, you just, it's so fundamental and everything else builds on that. And, uh, you know, being explicit about it, making time, being intentional making those kinds of choices. We've got to be concrete about baking it into our calendar and making a commitment. And, and hopefully, you know, why don't we do that is always a useful question. And, and I think there's a, often a, a confusion, you know, there's a lack of motivation. It's where we believe in it, but we don't believe in it that much. You know, we're, we're willing to uh, give lip service to it, but we're not willing to put skin in the game. And well, we need to put skin in the game. And you're right. You it, it provides its own benefit. I mean, uh, you know, I, I live a very joyful, peaceful life and uh, it's not an easy life, but it's joyful and peaceful. And that's, you know, really because it has purpose. I, I work for the Lord. And and to that point too, uh, I'm not the only one. You also work for the Lord, Joe, and, and all of our listeners work for the Lord. And we can choose to recognize that or not. And the same challenge, as I said, I Concretely on this on this earth, I, I work for the abbot and he can he can make a mess of my life. He has the authority to do that. I made a vow of obedience. And 
it, to a certain extent, when you work in a company, now thank God for laws that protect rights and, and limit power, but uh, for the most part, the boss has a lot of power over his employees and he can make a mess of their lives. And uh, even in that circumstance, if I know that I'm really working for the Lord, then I can find meaning even in the mess. I can find meaning in the cross. I can find meaning in sharing my suffering with Christ and offering it for the salvation of the world. And so it's so important, I think, that we recognize we're all working for the Lord. He's ultimately in charge of this and he's on our side. He wants to help us and we can uh, find, find meaning even in the most difficult things if we keep our eyes on him. On that note, just from being in the, in the other side of it, um, is that you also can probably be doing the same profession with someone else who cares more about working for the Lord. So one of the joys of being in America is if you don't like working at Ford, you can go to GM and vice versa. Um, you know, the, the skill sets, there's very few companies that's the only thing, only place in the world you can go to work at it. Maybe NASA. Um, of course, now there's SpaceX. So um, even with that being said, I, I don't even know if there's one thing that particularly, you know, articulates that there. And, you know, I, I just think through the, the like another example that, that had come to me, um, because I, I don't think that it's something that people consciously, consciously go out and say, oh, I don't want to do praying. Praying's just a bad idea. I think it's just when we're not particularly focused on fundamentals, they, they escape us because they're, they're, they're not fun. They're not highlight real stuff. You know, you don't ever turn on SportsCenter and see someone make a layup. You know, you see them go and make a crazy slam dunk or something like that. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals of being able to dribble and to be able to control the ball and all that stuff is really how you win. You know, you transfer to sport, to to football. You know, they don't really ever talk about a guy who's good at blocking. Um, But the whole game comes down to blocking and tackling. And in terms of life, you know, it's something that we just focus on all these other things of life getting our way. But when we actually get back to the fundamentals, really of whatever it is, we end up seeing quick improvement. And the spiritual part of our lives has a big component to the rest of us in a way that is often overlooked by the mass public because, you know, you don't see tangible benefits immediately. It's it's not something that's there. And, you know, as, as the other listeners will, will know from how long they've been with us is that, you know, I've always come from this trying to go from practical, let's get things done and, and let's see results now. I mean, I've always been an impatient person like that. I want to see that there's progress, that if, if I try doing this new regiment, that I'm going to get results in it. And I was reading a book from a guy who was a, Olympic gymnast for men in the Olympics and um, surprisingly or not it's much harder to get um, a boy to sign up to do gymnastics than it is to get a girl so he had to kind of figure out the sales pitch of how to get um, eight-year-olds interested in doing gymnastics instead of football or basketball or something like that and one of the things that that is incredibly difficult to get across is when you stretch you don't really get a benefit out of it right away. But if you do the same repeated stretch over and over and over again, you can get dramatic benefits, like un- 
foreseen like what you can do to your body and like to the point where it's like, ooh, it doesn't that hurt you? It's like, no. And you actually develop an immense strength out of it. And one of the things that struck me is when you think of the guys who are doing the Olympics and they're on those two little rings and their whole upper body just look ripped as can be. And he told me the majority of that comes from actually stretching. It's not from pure physical, you know, intense weightlifting workouts like you would get with a football player, but it's from being incredibly flexible. You actually build up this extra strength. And our spiritual life is an analogy to that in that we get extra strength and to do things that are right um, and that carries us through life in ways that, you know, we, we wouldn't imagine and getting to the fundamentals. I mean, obviously the first step is mass, but the, the, the other elements of, of doing a, a routine rosary and routine prayer does come into fruition in ways that just as you didn't notice, as you stopped doing them, you probably won't notice as they're coming on better. Um, and another analogy people say out there is I never really noticed how much energy I lost as I gained all that weight. But now that I lost it, I feel so much more alive. It, it, it's the same type of thing that when there's small incremental gains, we discount them and don't really recognize them. But after you've gone all in and gone all in and stayed all in, it can really transform your life if you objectively look where you were to where you are now. So, Father, I know that I'm getting to the end of this episode. I want to give you a chance to, to, to conclude it here as we move forward in Mass. It's great, Joe. Keep, uh, keep up the good work. I love the analogies that you're using, and, and you're certainly uh, singing my tune. Perfect. Well, thank you guys very much. We will be with you all again here next week, and uh, we invite you to, to try some of this stuff to help propel your lives moving forward.